Hello, everybody. Here we are, podcast number 2,526. You know, Jennifer and I have been doing this for some time. So just because there's a number associated with this podcast doesn't mean we haven't been. Doing this for 5,000 years. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we go back, it's been five years now. It doesn't feel like that. Might even be more than that, yeah. Okay, it's 25 years. But it does feel like you and I have had this ongoing conversation. Yes. And yes. of course, I have to be cognizant that when I'm talking, I can't hear you. And of course, people have written in and said, let her talk. Sorry. Anyways, um, delightful to see you. Where are you on the planet? I am right in Manhattan Beach, but this was something that I just loved. Someone sent this to me, and I'm not quite sure where I found it, and I don't remember where it is, unfortunately. Beautiful. Thank you. Cherry blossoms? Cherry blossoms. Maybe Japan. Actually, it is Japan. You are correct. Okay. Are and correct. we are underneath the dome of Andrea Mantegna, who painted yes. this painting, Happy which is on the cover of our book, Hacking the Afterlife. People looking in, down from up above on their loved ones back on the planet. And that's yep. what we're doing. We're helping people connect with those on the flip side, showing them how easy it is. So in that vein, let's ask Luana, our friend on the flip side, if she has anybody she wants to talk, oh. us to talk to, or go ahead. She just, thank you. She just, so the first thing she gave me was my black kitty cat that passed away last okay. week. Okay, I thought he would be an appropriate person to chat to. And so for all, it's kitty cat, but what Luana said, I'm sorry about your kitty cat, my dad showed me carrying my cat, because I asked my dad to come get her after she had a couple strokes, and she's mm -hmm. 18 years, so lucky, so grateful. Um, I was really, mm -hmm. You know, I'm still shaken up over it, but um, gave me the best years of her life. So happy. I asked my dad to take her. What was interesting is that we were petting her, and it was so sweet. It was, you know, myself and the two kids, probably was at work, and we were petting her because I could tell her that she was just about ready to go. And I said, Dad, please come get her so she's not in any pain. And all of a sudden, I saw my dad walk away. Like, I, I saw the back of him go. Mm -hmm then she was gone she was already she was gone right then but it was very interesting i didn't know she was gone until after i saw my dad i'm like i think she's gone and sure enough she was wow so he, did, he did come and get her and he showed me holding her that he had her and it's just very touching he's like i don't know why it takes me talking to you to feel like i can actually see my dad I, you know i just for the audience, it was a couple, you know, whatever after he had passed, and we hadn't really talking, uh, talked about it, talking about it. And at some point, you mentioned him, and I could see the tears in your eyes that it was hard for you to even express your feelings. And we asked him, just because we've been doing this so long, you know, well, maybe he can come forward and help us. And by doing that, it was fascinating for me because you were able to connect to somebody on the other side that you're emotionally connected to, but allowed him to answer my questions. Yes. Which were contrary to what was going on, whatever we were doing. And, you know, that's when I asked him if there was a, the simple question was, how do we help people with profound grief? You know, yeah. thing on the planet. And we've heard all the variations of, you know, grief has stages and blah, blah, blah. But he said very specifically and very simply, move grief to nostalgia. And I remember you said that, and I asked you, what does that mean? And you said, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. And so you asked your dad, and you said, you know, what does that mean? And he said, well, grief is only sad memories, but nostalgia is both sad and happy memories. And yes. when you can move grief to nostalgia, then you begin the healing process. I mean, it was such a profound thing to say and because you didn't know even that he could say it or conceive of it was really a fascinating 
and proof of concept for and he's people so, who are interested. Oh, right. People just, he was such a natural born teacher. He was a teacher. He had so much great insight. And so it doesn't surprise me that he said it. It would just surprise me that I didn't, I've never heard it. Well, let's ask him, let's ask if you don't mind. You know, what? if Jim doesn't mind, let's ask him some questions because I was going to ask about your kitty and tell me your kitty's name. I don't, I don't remember. Kitty. <laughs> okay. We did have a bird named Birdie when I was a little kid and I thought that's a great name. Why not? Kitty. Kitty. But, Kitty. but in California, that would be uh, small I, big T, little T, big E, little E. Kitty. 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 I know. No. It's well, let's, let's access this moment. So you, uh, if you can set aside your feelings, so, so, which is a terrible I, thing to I, say. I, but Wiggle my nose. It's me trying yeah. to. But let's ask your, your dad. So what was, when Jennifer spoke to you and asked you to come forward and help bring Kitty home, what are you able to do or how does that work? If you could describe the process. Oh my gosh. So immediately he started showing me being there and then he showed me my heart. So because I was having such, my heart was so full of mixed of like, I'm like, I don't want her to be in pain. I don't want her, you know, what do I do? Do I take her in? But if I take her in, I'll never see her again. Yeah. I'm like, please let her pass away at home with us so we don't have to do that. And, you know, and when I, so when he showed me that, I don't even remember what the question was. It was how, just how the did that process. Work? Yeah, the process. I called him with my heart and then I asked, he was already there because I was grieving already. And then when I asked him to be there, you know, then he, you know, he was like, it, it was, he was already there before I even asked, said his name because yeah. are, and because how close we are. And that's. So I want to ask Jim this, which is Jim, you're looking at your daughter and you're looking at this ball of light that is Kitty. Mm -hmm. And how do you help Kitty to come home or to go with you? Kitty was already there, so. I see, so well, like a percentage of her. Well, when she was passing away, she was already with him. Like she was already up there watching us. I that see. Was He's like, time is different, but he goes, she was already up there like, you know, two or 20, like, I know your question. Give me a second. It's okay. He said that she was already up there, which I've seen before when somebody's in a lot of pain, they leave their body. Um, but she wasn't. That's what he's saying to me now. Because she's saying it. Um, wow, I just kind of felt her lick my cheek for a second. <laughs> um, that's what she would do, which is funny. Um, I'm so sorry. What was the question again? But Okay, but I want to... The, this you have just led me to the next question, which is first the comment. So when he says she was already up there with him, we've talked to a number of people, including Alzheimer's dementia patients who are still here physically, but like ninety percent of them is already over there, and they are <laughs> able to answer questions. And we actually thought she had Alzheimer's for a while. So, so. but I mean that idea when you're close to crossing over, a a portion of your energy is already home. Is that correct, Kitty? Okay. And then your dad has helped bringing that other 10%, whatever percentage it is, to come with him entirely. That yes. it's okay to come home. So because we can ask Kitty direct questions, and thank you, Jim, please help weigh in if anything comes to mind. But Kitty, I wanna ask you some questions, if I can. Can I ask you some direct questions? Mm -hmm. So, how did you find Jennifer initially, 18 years ago? It's so interesting. She's showing me pictures. And she went immediately to like, a, if there is such a thing as a past life, past lives. And she was actually a dragon at one point. Um, 
whether it's mythical or whatever, but yeah, um, or some other plane somewhere, some other. Did you know her then? That's how it was supposed to be. So it was like, oh, oh go ahead. I had a dog named Nikki, yeah. and she says, I'm like, I've never seen a cat and a dog change, but she was part of Nikki. Very good. Okay. This is a, something that people in our audience are going to be curious about. So okay. we this has come up quite often in the human research, which is. And I can't even, like, if you asked me what my dogs were, I would never, it's been so long, you know, I yeah, just. I understand I, when you were a little kid, but, and it's not that all animals and dogs all come from the same source. It's that. Right just like humans, each one of us has our own path and journey and our own bucket of conscious energy. And what she's saying is, is that in a previous lifetime or prior to this cat lifetime, she was also in the persona, some portion of her in the persona of this dog. Is that yes. correct, Kitty? Okay, very good. And the reason I ask these questions is mainly because a, a friend of ours, Robert, Yes, Robert Town. Yes, Robert Town. And his dog, Hira. And this goes back to when you and I were doing a session with, Hira, with, with Robert a couple of years ago. And it was a proof of concept because Robert had asked me what I'm doing and I had worked for him. This is the screenwriter who wrote Chinatown and Mission Impossible and many other movies, Oscar Award winning screenplay. And he said to me, you know, what's up with you? What are you doing? And I said, well, I'm working with this medium and she's amazing. And so he asked us to do a session. and. Somewhere in that session, um, I, it just it popped into my head, and I said, "Well, can we talk to Hira?" And we hadn't decided we were going to talk to Hira. And Jennifer, yeah. remember, said, "I'm sorry, what's the name?" And I said, "Hira." And then Robert said, "Because we're filming this," Robert said, um, "Can we do that?" And I said, "Well, I don't know, but let's see." Right. I knew who Hira was. Robert knew Hira was, and you said. I'm seeing a big white shag carpet. <laughs> and that's exactly what he looked like. He was a giant commodore and he had big curls, white oh. curly, you know, hair. And since then, we've done a number of interviews with Hira, not just that first time, but multiple yeah. times, including one recently where Hira recalled an event that happened between him and Robert Town on Catalina and it involved a buffalo. Right. And that's Ira right. challenging these buffalo who were standing over in Catalina. Now I forgot that were cat there were buffalo in Catalina, but you were seeing this. And Robert was in shock because he was there when his dog challenged these buffalo. He only he told the story to me, but he had never told it to you. So it was yeah. a fascinating proof of concept between yeah. Ira, etc. So Luana knew Hira very well, so let's invite Hira in for one question. Can we? <laughs> he says I need to call Robert back. <laughs> That's need, the first thing. Yeah, well, goes without saying. Hira, I have a question for you. There mm -hmm. is a book that's out in the marketplace right now about a film that Robert wrote. Sorry, he just, it's so funny because he just licked the side of your face. I'm like, did you really <laughs> did you I'm like, <laughs> yes. Um, so Hira, my question for you, and it's really for Robert without Robert knowing I'm gonna ask this question. I wanna know your opinion of this book that was written about an event in Robert's life. What's your opinion? He says, Robert's an incredible writer. It feels like it's about death though. I have no idea about the book, but it feels like an exchange between, um, don't judge it. Death and glory? I don't know. Guts and glory. Well, I don't know. That's, that is accurate. A couple of people that are in this book, we've spoken to who are on the flip side. Okay a couple of them. And I just, I, want, I wanted to get Hira's point of view. Is this book accurate? 
or is the author full of BS? Only a third of it is based on true events. Thank you. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Hyra knows what I'm talking about. Jennifer doesn't know what I'm talking about, but I know what Hyra's talking about. And that is this book about the movie Chinatown that was written by an author claiming to have evidence that Robert had like a, a secret writer, Eddie Taylor, the person we spoke with, that somehow he was the guy who was secretly writing the, the movie without people knowing about it. And the author also spoke to Robert's ex-wife who really didn't like Robert <laughs> and had a lot of nasty things to say about him. And I just wanted to clarify, about a third of the book is accurate. That's a lot that's not. Hold on a second. He's saying only a third of it is accurate. A third of it's accurate? Yeah, that sounds about right. Some of it's right because he spoke to some people, and plus he got things from already published articles. But two-thirds of it is flat out wrong. Okay? It's made up. This is how books made up, and this is how books will be reviewed in the future. People like us will then go and talk to FDR, JFK, whoever, and we'll say, what did you think of the book about you? And they're going to say, BS, yeah. or they're going to say, right on the money. Thank you, Hira. I know that Robert will appreciate it because that's his opinion as well. Well, he, he says that he'd bite the person. Like he's the guy. <laughs> All right. The reason I bring this up is not, I'm sorry. And I didn't bite anyone. Yeah, he didn't bite anybody, and he I would bite this that. guy. Right, very good. <laughs> it's weird because the author reached out to me the other day about another book he wants to write, and I didn't recognize his name at first. I didn't recognize the name, and then I, I looked it up, and I was like, this is the guy. So it's very odd. Anyway, I don't want to mention his name. Right. If he, if he, if people who will know what I'm talking about will know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry, but Robert Town's dog, on the flip side, says the book is inaccurate. At least two thirds of it are wrong. Yeah. Not bad for a review. All right. I've asked it different ways too. I'm like, are you sure it's one third, two thirds? Yeah. No. no, I appreciate it. I mean, I kind of knew that. I, you know, I'm totally aware of that. I mean, if he had said, oh, the book is 100% accurate, I would have been surprised, but. Not even close. Not even close. And it is based on my experience because I lived through that era and, you know, I know all the people involved. All right. And I worked for Robert for three years. All based on hearsay and jealousy. Hearsay and jealousy. Two bugaboos that will haunt us since the dawn of time. Hearsay and jealousy. All right. Speaking of hearsay, let's hear what Luana has to say, who's up? I appreciate Kitty stopping by and Hira answering my questions. But we have some other folks that might want to stop by. And Hira's with Kitty. I know this is probably so weird for everybody, but that was something that Robert said. I hope Hira can help Kitty. I thought that was the sweetest thing Did ever. Did he say that? Oh, you spoke to him. That's great. And we've spoken to Robert's other pets who said the same thing, that when they pass over, Hira was there to greet them and put them in the pen, you know, to stand by to take care of Robert. The enforcer. So okay. the important part of what I'm saying and the reason I brought this up is that our pets are always with us. I'm sorry to tell you that, so don't be mean to your pet, but they do hang around after they're gone. Yes, they do. That's it. Okay, Lou, take a look at your clipboard as Viewers know the reason we called our book Backstage Pass to the flip side is because Luana. So excited. Has a clipboard. There it is. Luana has a clipboard, and it was the great musician Tom Petty. Petty. Thank you. Sorry, Mr. Petty. Tom Petty, who came forward in a session one day and said, Gosh, it was so hard to get to talk to you guys. I, like, there's a huge line at the door. And I, we were like, what? What are you talking about? He said, well, Luana's like a, the backstage person with the clipboard who gets to talk to Rich and Jennifer. 
<laughs> it was like the funniest image of somebody handing out lanyards, you know, ah, here's your lanyard and you get to go in and you're in line and you sit down, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so that's why we begin these with Lou, who wants to come forward? So Lou, tell us. I'm getting the feeling of two people and I don't recognize them, oh. but there's one that has to do with either the, it looks, okay. All right, Sitting Bull, and I know you mentioned him. I know we've talked to him. Yes, we have. Um, but I'm like, is it a medicine man or is it a, I just don't understand. Or well, let's, all right, let's break it down in terms of visuals. So you're seeing one individual or two? Two. Two. And on one side is, this, is the, the fellow that we talked to, very unusual face, long braids, perhaps? Yes, he showed me the picture that you have of him. Ah, very good. And we, in our interview with Sitting Bull, we talked to him about his journey, his path, who was there to greet him when he crossed over. He mentioned his first wife. A lot of things that I was able to verify forensically. Right. I'm somebody who has a memory of being a Lakota in a previous lifetime. That's in the book flip side. So I am predisposed to invite members of the Lakota tribe in to talk to us. Right. So but let's turn to the, oh, go you, ahead. What did you tell me on the day that my kitty cat passed? About Sitting Bull. Oh, yeah, the chapter. It's called Sitting Shiva, fun, with Sitting Bull. And the first part of the chapter is you recalling a dream you had about Kitty. And you were talking to Kitty, and Kitty was chatting with you. That's right here. And Kitty said, it's okay, I've got cancer. It's, it happens, you know, don't stress over it. What's your big, you know, what's the problem? <laughs> sitting Shiva, Sitting Bull. And it's like really the first paragraph. And you know, the day that you mentioned that Kitty was checking out, I happened to be reading that passage and I thought, oh, that's wild, okay. okay and this was a year ago that say, Kitty told us that. And say that one more time, what um, you said. No, I was just saying it was at least a year ago when you had that dream, maybe two years ago, but. Oh yeah, okay. It was, um, the sitting Shiva was sitting bowl, page 185 in the book. And um, it's on the second page. Well, we talked to Carl Sagan and Stephen Hawking, etc., etc. James Brown. <laughs> okay. People who want to see me read. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not even looking at the right thing. Yeah, here's what you said. Last night I was dreaming that I was at UCLA with my cat talking like a person, telling me that she has cancer. And I say, you mean in your dream? And you say, yes, my black cat. And then I mentioned how my kids had had dreams recently where one of our pets was talking to my son. And in the dream, the, the bird was saying, you know, I'm, I'm trying to talk to you, but you aren't listening. I don't remember ever saying that. That is crazy. So you tried to tell me a year before. Yeah. But I mean, that idea that our pets are sentient, they can talk to us. We just can't hear them. They're aware of how the flip side works. We are not. No. I'm sorry to report that to you humans. We're not as bright. As bees who can see UV light or as dogs who can smell cancer. We just aren't that bright. Or dolphins who communicate way beyond we even understand. So don't eat them. If anything, you know, you may have heard this recently. They got meat packing plants, they're forcing open. Look, just don't eat the stuff and you know, right. everything will work out. They'll be fine <laughs> on the flip side. 
don't eat your friends, our friends. Okay. How about that from a lifelong chomper? You are so funny. Okay. Back to Sitting Bull. Is that what you wanted us to reference? Is yeah. that what? I did not know. I did not know. I did not know that I said that. Okay. That's why the last time he spoke, spoke up, we had a short chat with him and I asked the same thing. Is the reason you're, and he said something along the lines of, I'm enjoying this class. I just, I'm watching how you guys communicate. Yeah. So somebody came into class uh, a couple of sessions ago. We were talking to my friend, sorry? I'm so sorry to interrupt. He's also saying that you were a medicine man of some sort before. And That's so I'm, correct. I might have said, I don't remember that either, unfortunately. Okay. But just wanted to reassure you that whatever you've been going through or whatever you've figured out is true. That's sweet. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Um, last week. I would be an idiot if I didn't ask you a couple of questions, sir. Okay. Uh, in terms of the Lakota people today and their struggles financially and otherwise, is there any something that you might want to pass along or you want me to pass along to them? Um, hold on. It feels like they get things before everybody else does. Is that, may I ask you this? So there are many uh, Amer Native American stories about reincarnation, about, and as a group, they accept that, that we go when we come back. And that the coat dance was a way of bringing our, the warriors back. Mm -hmm. In my weird research, I've probably interviewed a dozen people who recall lifetimes as warriors, as chiefs, as dying yeah. in battle, always from the point of view of Native Americans. Is that because people choose to come back in a way and then share that experience again? I mean, why is it that I've run into so many people? Are we vibrating in the same frequency or... You're meant to find each other. It's like gonna come back. It's like being a magnet. Every time that you go, your group, you're just meant. You know all the coincidences that are that are help being made from the other side to here is also. It's like having your. It is in your blood. It's your DNA. It's in your DNA. Yeah. DNA as a soul, let's say, or as a conscious energy. He's saying that it's your energy field, though, that attracts them. It's your DNA that is the per... Hold on. It's the combination of your DNA and your... And your... Um, I know, adoption. I get it. Hold on. It doesn't matter. It's your energy field. It's your energy field. And, you know, there is some quantum entanglement science that's connected to this, which is certain photons that are created in you know space they find each other so it may be related to quantum mechanics let's just allow that but more importantly have you and i think we you answered this question once before but it was we asked you about coming back to the planet and i think you said it's in the book that it was like you still wanted to relax and rest but for, th for thousands of years <laughs> <laughs> And it wasn't just related to fighting Caucasians, but it's also related to your journey and your path. And you, you, you know, you were famous for killing a lot of tribe members, different tribes. Right? This is thing too is from healing from that. Healing from that. Healing. So you. It's the healing that goes into your next life, because if you if you have time to, if I'm getting this right, and I'll ask it again. If you have time from getting. Hmm. I'm like, you have time from healing on the other side, then you don't bring it in with you. And he said, no, you just don't go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a choice. Is that correct? Reincarnation is a choice. That's a key 
element to this research? Baton of making, like trying to win at your own game. Passing the baton to your, your next self. Yes. We talked about that. But that idea, it's a choice. And the very fundamental difference between reincarnation, religious beliefs of karma, versus you saying, not that one. Nope. Not going there. Not going to. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. My friends are going to be here. I want to participate. I'm going to pass my baton onto myself. Here you go. And off you go. Yeah. Do your best. Enjoy the play. Have some fun. Eat pizza. Drink cappuccinos. You're going to love it. <laughs> Something like that. All he wants to do is drink cappuccinos. <laughs> <laughs> well, even beyond that, we, I asked him, I asked Sitting Bull about a particular uh, peace pipe that he right. that he owned that is in a museum in Los Angeles. And at the time he suggested that they were about to sell it to somebody else. And so I, like a gadfly, I wrote to the curator of the museum and said, without telling him where I had heard it, I just said, do you guys, I mean, I, his pipe is no longer on display. Is there a reason for that? And are you guys considering giving it to another museum or selling it or blah, blah, blah. And I got this very terse and <laughs> immediate response from the curator saying, we've taken it out of circulation for all the reasons and we have no intention of selling it. So did I prevent that from happening? I don't know. Uh, you know, I would like to pat myself on the back and look at Kim. Were they gonna sell it or was that just your imagination? They did have a buyer. Wow. But there was something that the buyer, I don't know if the buyer felt it was bad luck. I don't know, something came through. <laughs> that was. Oh, good, I like that. Okay, cool. Um, bad omen. They wanted to wait. They had a lot of interest though, a lot okay. of interest. Was there, was the buyer somebody that we would know? I mean, like a famous person, billionaire type? Somebody that owns a casino. Somebody owns a casino. Somebody that owns a casino. Is that a, probably the Tiger King guy. Okay. <laughs> we did have a, somebody stop by our couple of classes ago and I unceremoniously said, okay, you take a seat. We got other things to talk about, but I wanted to go back to that. So. We spoke to our, my friend, Peter Beard, who was missing at the time. And we had a wonderful conversation with him about his life, his journey, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and ultimately, I know that you spoke to one of his family members. I won't go into that because that's a private conversation, but I know you were helpful uh, in, at the very least, showing people that their loved ones go on, that they still are around, because they can, see things that have happened yeah and then verify it that way but at some point in the conversation you said david bowie is here and i said david take a seat we got you know we're talking to peter right now and it wasn't until later that i realized why he was there so can we ask david to come back and accept my apology for booting him yeah very good so David, do you want to show Jennifer why you were hanging around when Peter Beard was here? Because he knew Peter. He knew Peter. And Peter. there's somebody in your life, David. Right, it's his wife, his wife. His wife, very good, okay. And Imam is her name. And we asked you, David, when you first showed up in, in you know, backstage pass, the flip side one or two, if you wanted us to reach out to her, and you said, yeah, please do. <laughs> and of course, you know, on social media, there's only so many emails I could say, um, yes, who wants to tell you, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I'll let you speak, sir. What would you like to tell your lovely wife? And spell her name for me again. I am A-M. And by the way, Peter Beard discovered her. She was a model living in Africa, a very 
intelligent, many multi-degreed person, and Peter introduced her as if he had found her tending cows out in Africa and took some pictures of her, which made her worldwide world famous. It was a complete made-up story, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, she's a lovely person. She's and cool. she writes these hilarious things on Instagram every day. And so David, I'll, I'll let you have the floor, please. If it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Peter, he doesn't know if he would have met her. Likely, likely not. Nobody would have, because she was a beautiful model living in Africa. Well, beautiful, you know, intelligent, multi-degreed person living in Africa. She probably would have had a career some, somewhere else. But he met her through Beard, because Beard made her famous. So um, changed his life. For the greatest part of his life, he says. And he said, I had a lot of fun in, before then. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing compared to having someone like her. Um, and you told us that you frequently show up around her, wherever she is. But what would be a way for right. confirm that? But like her, I don't see my dad unless I talk to you, which is weird. <laughs> Think that I just be able to, but I don't. It's not that I don't see him. I don't. I know what you mean. It, interact in that way. Yeah. So they just showed me me. He just showed me myself. That she doesn't. She doesn't probably trust it. Ah. Okay. So. Um, but does she have friends who are more able to hear you? That say I dreamt about David last night. She won't believe him, <laughs> um, but like there's something with her mom too. Is um, your mom on the flip side with you? I can't tell. Or is she back on the planet? Well, of course, we're both places always. Right. But, I'm not giving myself an out. Just hold on a second. But let me ask, what does he want to say about the mom? Are you hanging out with her? Oh, she's been over there. Hold on. So I believe from what I'm getting that she always could tell when her mom was around. Mm, so she got it because when when she was with David, she'd always she'd always talk to her mom without you know that which was not without thinking about it without judging it. Right, but with David. She does talk to him, but she can't feel him. And I think it's because she's used to his energy field now. Like when they're first gone, you can feel them a little bit more. Yeah, a little stronger. A little stronger. So, David, give us a one, two, three, if you don't mind. Give us, I mean, let's just use this as an experiment. So she's at home on a Sunday afternoon. She's not woken up yet. She's lounging around. What would be a way, would you enter a dream or would you try to do a physical touch or would you try to blow on her face or, or bring a, a feeling or sensation? Tell us, what would be a... The sensation that she brings, like that he brings her. And so... And is it inside or outside? So like something like, let's go do something today like they would normally do. So he'll put it in her mind, let's go for a bike ride, something. Yes. Yeah. But not a bike ride. Let's go shopping. Or let's, let's go, go <laughs> shopping, right. Yeah, or let's uh, go. Does she still live in, uh, the, on the edge of Central Park where you guys used to live? She goes back and forth between places. And it feels like London, but I'm not sure. OK. Well, oddly enough, Jennifer would laugh. We used to go back and forth between places. Well, no, oddly enough, when I was working for Philip Noyce on one of his movies, he rented a suite at the Essex House on Central Park. 
and actors had come by. I shot a little bit of my film uh, camera, Dogma 15, in his suite. But next door was David and Imam. Their, their suite was literally, you know, right. throw the baseball through the, or go out in the balcony and knock on their door, which I never did. But I just thought that was ironic. You know, here I am chatting with you through Jennifer. We didn't meet on the planet. But we're happy to meet you here because you know you're hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Can we ask Peter why I felt water? Can we go into that and break that down a little bit? Okay, sure. Um, David, again, Peter Beard kicking you out of the chair. So I'm Peter. so sorry. I didn't mean okay, hold on a second. <laughs> well, anything else you want to say to Imam before we ask Peter a pointed question? Tell her to follow the sensations. Follow the sensations. Like follow the, like if. Oh, you had a nickname for her. So if she's hungry, then go, I don't know, I just saw my cat, but I don't know what her nickname is. Well, go to the, go, go eat cat. No, go to a restaurant that you used to hang out with him and that would be a way of connecting, right? So, so give, or just know that that's him and then start asking him questions. But right. he'll. So, certain foods maybe or certain emotions associated to certain places. Okay, we've talked about this with people, which is, and Michael Newton came through and told us this, which is have a series of questions you want to ask your loved one, you know, one through 10. Who was there to greet you when you crossed over? Who are you hanging out with? What do you miss about being on the planet? Very simple questions that you don't know the answer to, but they do. And you just ask them in the locations that they like to hang out. And the more you ask them, eventually you'll hear an answer before you can ask the question. And I that means you've made a connection. I, I did that to my dad just now and he showed me the inside of a Mormon church. <laughs> okay, well, he was a Mormon bishop. That's a good place to talk to your dad. Yeah. I can't go in there, but says, obviously I, I go to fish bar in Manhattan Beach to talk to your dad. Yeah, well, ch church is in, that's a great point, by the way. Church is in the heart right Ch now. Church is in the heart, very good. Well, I think, David, you had a nickname for Imam. You told us her nickname. Um, and you know what's funny? It shares the name of your cat. Is it, she, is it something with she, Kitty? That's what kitty. I said. That's what you said, yeah. I said that earlier. He showed me my black cat, and I said, Kitty, you can rewind it and see it. <laughs> rewind. Rewind. Um, yes. I mean, look, we talked to him and I asked him specific, give me a nickname. And he said, Kitty. And now here we are talking to your Kitty. So, look. But listen, I can't knock on Iman's door and say, you know, David told me to tell you that you, your nickname, his nickname, but one of her friends is gonna watch this and say, did David call you Kitty ever? And if she says no, then obviously he's joking. He's pulling our leg. That's great. He's saying Kitty and then he showed me a piece of cheese. So Kitty Mouse or Kitty, like, I don't know. Kitty cheese. I don't know. But well, wait a minute, come on. You know, Brits have a different relationship to cheese than I do. I grew up near Wisconsin, so it's like, you know, yeah, bring in the truckload of cheese. No, there's probably something, look, she'll understand it, kitty. So he's the mouse. He would show you a mouse if he was, but he's showing you cheese, so it's he fine. Cat and mouse. Cat and mouse, but that's, this isn't cat and mouse, it's cat and cheese. It's probably some goofy cheese that he liked. What color is it? It's a Swiss. It looks like Swiss. I don't know. Does it have holes in it? Is it white? It's white. It's white. Yeah. Okay. Is it is it a block or is it? Feels like brie. Feels like brie. Okay, brie. So maybe that's the nickname. Cheesehead. <laughs> no, I don't know. Breathe. I'm not going to judge it anymore. I thought, listen, we don't have to judge it. We don't know. It's okay. I, you know. Like, it, it'll be much better if she just knows what he should be. Listen, and you know what? I throw softballs at you, and you 
knock them out of the park. And a lot of them you knock out of the park with your eyes closed. And so we don't know, you know, someone's gonna reach out to me. It happens all the time. Someone reaches out to me and goes, that thing that you said, just, you know, or that Jennifer said a year ago, it came true. You know, this is the case. All right, back to Peter. So Peter Beard, our buddy, we know they found you out in the woods, which is kind of what you told us. I'm I'll just to repeat it, which is initially we asked you and you gave Jennifer sort of a map of walking outside of your house, going to a place. And in your mind's eye, it was like a, a memory of a barn. So some location where some structure used to be. And we tried to pin it down. And because you had dementia, it was very hard for you to be accurate about the three different consciousnesses we were, you know, contacting. One is the guy with dementia who's remembering wandering in the woods, the guy who's seeing the guy wander in the woods, trying to be accurate. And then obviously, well, I guess that's just two. But anyway, so Peter, then after that, you showed her the ocean. Now, was the reason for that because you're trying to use it as a metaphor, like we go out into the ocean and we just sail away and don't worry about where my body is. Because you said that, like, it doesn't matter where my body is. What was the ocean thing? He could have been saying too, because he said he was trying to get back to the ocean. I mean, oh, again. Could make sense as well. He lived right near the ocean and he just went the wrong way. He was trying to get, I don't know if you remember this, but I do. There, his property was right on the ocean and there's like cliffs and you right. go down. And so you, in other words, if you're wandering in the woods going north, if you take a right, you're gonna get to the ocean. And once you're at the ocean, you know, oh, I live this way because it's south. So getting back to the ocean would have oriented him, you see? More importantly than where his physical body was, and we've had this conversation with Amelia Earhart, it's that he's still accessible. As he said to us, I have my mind back. Once he crossed over, left this room, this stage. He says over and over, he was not in any pain. No pain. No pain. And he also said it was the perfect way to go having a manhunt yes <laughs> <laughs> well but i mean perfect way to go is what he means meaning look if you want to talk about the life planning process and we've talked about this before where people are in a room with their loved ones and they're mapping out the life and they say i'm going to have this adventure and i'm going to go through all these things and i mean I've heard since then of so many different times he nearly died. I, apparently he, quote, capsized and Africa. Well, he, he was trampled by an elephant. I mean, those are all adventures he had in his life. And ultimately, the last adventure, which we all take, wasn't in a hospital. It wasn't in respirators. Not that that's bad. I'm just saying that's more difficult than the people that are, are suffering as you leave. The, right. His was back to nature, as his family put it in the newspaper, which was he, he left the way he loved, which is back to nature. He left the way. Back and laying down out in the woods where, and as I mentioned, when I first spent some time with him in Montauk, he would sleep on the floor, literally on the you know hard floor. And you'd get up and try not to step on him as you're getting your coffee in the morning. So, yeah. Look, he was his journey is complete, and he's so lucky to have so many people who loved him, and he moved so many people and changed so many lives. And you know, we spent so much time talking about the caterpillar and not talking about the butterfly. Right. So, is that what you wanted to tell us, <laughs> Peter? <laughs> not speaking on your behalf. I guess I asked him if I helped. He's like, you comforted her. And you told, like, so I said, I'm like, he's never, you know, I didn't feel like he was going to be found by them. I didn't know what it looked like. But um, 
He's so happy not to be confined to himself. Confined to himself. It's a lovely way to put it. I mean, I'm without going into the details of your conversation with one of his family members, it was amazing because there were so many things that he mentioned that this person remembered. Oh, that's right, he did that. Including his argumentative nature, or he would, you know, argue about a word for like an hour, you know, argue about how to spell a word for like an hour. And it was <laughs> hilarious to this family member that he was doing the same thing. He was arguing, you know, that's not how you say it. This is how you say it. I know. I do remember that. <laughs> anyway. Nice, and, and by the way, for the audience, he gave his family members the exact date and time and where he wants the ceremony for that celebrate him. So. Oh, I said that, right? I'm yeah, gonna, yeah, you did. Don't, don't say it now. <laughs> I don't remember it. I, I, I don't remember it, but I just remember it was significant. It was. Yeah, I, you know, I would, I'll, at some point I'll write it up and take out everything that's personal and just let people see our loved ones are not gone. They can communicate with us. They can tell us what they want us to do. I they aren't vindictive. They yeah. can be argumentative, but love, unconditional love is what they have for us. Right? I sound like I'm wrapping up. We're not. Okay. <laughs> uh, and you know what? It never ever gets, it never gets easier, but you learn to coexist with it with nostalgia, like you said. But like, even when you said that, I'm like, I got this overwhelming feeling. Like I just miss my dad. I miss, <laughs> you know, I miss him being here. I can only. Yeah. Like, gave me of like course. It, what's funny is that he's trying to give me a sensation, which is his aftershave. Do you, the aftershave lotion that they put on, or the the. What was his aftershave? Now I know what to get you for Christmas. No, it was like it was, I think it was like something that dealt with Old Spice or like cool something. <laughs> yeah. Every I think every dad. From that era, had that old spice. Yeah, it's lovely. Well, you know the stuff in the white bottle, and you sprinkle a lot. And ow! Yeah, that's what he did. Yeah, and so did I. So did my dad. That's so funny. <laughs> I don't even know. How would I know? Like, it's just so funny because it's not memories that I think about. That's yeah. Not, so well, I'm I, I'm fond of saying when your loved ones are here. Uh huh. We talk to them maybe daily, if we're lucky, weekly, <laughs> um, you know, and then when we talk to them, we're, you know, hi, mom, how you doing? Yeah, listen, I got 15 other things I'm working on right now. I got this thing I'm doing and da 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 You're not really talking to them. You're kind of talking at them about you and what you're doing and where's the check? Did you send me money? You know, whatever it is. And when you add up all those moments, and then when they're gone, your your whole body is like, oh my God, I can't hold them and I can't blah, blah, blah. But if you go back to that last phone conversation, it was, so then what happened? You know, whatever, distraction, you know what I mean. And I'm not knocking grief. I am saying it is no, I something know. we create that's not necessarily based on the actual experience of being with them. I'm laughing because he's making fun of the fact that my mom for two days didn't get back to anybody. She actually missed, I mean, she has seven children. She missed my sister's birthday and she's never done that in her life. How her dare birthday. she? And my sister's birthday <laughs> like five days after, like three days after hers. So she shouldn't miss it, right? Yeah. Sorry, but it was, so I, you know, texted her, called her, my sister's panicking. She's like, what do I do? And I'm like, I just think it's, the whole thing was funny. And so I texted her, I'm like, you have to check in. And she's like, I love you, I'm doing great, heart emoji. I'm like, I didn't sleep last night over this. I'm like thinking, I had dreams of COVID that came oh, in. I'm my sorry. family actually got her sick, like something that was just so bad. And so then I texted her another message, I'm like, is this payback for all the times <laughs> that we, that you stayed up for us? Like that you were just, that we made your life like a little bit of hell. hell. 
<laughs> yeah, there you go. You know what? She just slept. She goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, your mom's hilarious. So send cool. my love. Got married at 73, married at 73. 73. She's lucky. We should all be so lucky. Right before all this happened, she couldn't be happier. Staying home, reading books with her husband. Let's give Jim some credit for that, shall we? Well, he keeps reminding me. That's why it keeps coming up in my mind. Okay. All right, Lou. I know. We got enough time for maybe one more guest. Yes. Okay. Um, sorry. And when I look down, it's all my little. Yeah. Okay. No, you actually were thinking about something this morning she's showing me. Okay. So, well, here's what I was thinking about somebody that you don't know. Okay. And, but then I was saying, I don't know if we need to talk to this person, but I said to Luana. Is this person? You, is this what? person feels like a very good friend or feels like it was a very good friend well here's here's the person well it might be my very good friend paul it's possible we've talked to paul before it's his birthday in a couple of days so it could be paul but what i asked luana to do was to bring another friend in and if that other friend showed up i'd know that this was the person we're gonna have the conversation with you see i mean so Kobe just showed up again. Oh, that wasn't the person, but that's fine. Lou, more important. Well, come on. So, Lou, who should we talk to? Luana, just so everybody understands who I'm talking to. Who do you want us to talk to? Kobe. Hold on a second. Okay. Let's talk to Kobe. Kobe, dude, what'd you think of the uh, Michael Jackson documentary? Oh, he doesn't really want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What do you mean? Um, what do you want to talk about? He wants to talk about something. Hold on a second. Um, there's a lot of great things that they didn't mention about Michael that they should have mentioned. No, oh, more about, about his generosity and stuff or? Yes, about how kind he was um, in the right way, however you want to process that. But he's showing me Vanessa. I don't know. She's having, I don't know if she's having a hard time selling a house or wanting to sell a house. I have no idea. Okay. But you're here. Let me, if I can just, let me just remind the audience because they're not aware of this because it's in the book, but it's not something we've discussed. Um, as an experiment. Like this. I, you're like, this is that small in the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't huge, no. But I never, I met you once, and we talked about that, and you were accurate about when the date, exactly when we met. But I conducted the interview in Italian, because I speak Italian, and I know you speak Italian, and I know that Jennifer doesn't speak Italian. I tried. So, and we did it as an experiment. So I asked you some questions, and you gave us some insightful answers in Jennifer's mind where you would, Jennifer would say, he's showing me this as an answer to your question. And it was the exact answer to my question. So just as proof of concept, I'll ask you a question in Italian. Okay. And you can put an answer in Jennifer's mind. Some of the people in the audience will understand what I'm asking and Jennifer, I don't think will, but Ma cosa vuoi dire a tuo amico Michele? Cosa vuoi dire a tuo amico? Show me a, he showed me a map. Okay. It was like going somewhere. Um, Is it the United States or Europe? It feels like Europe, but there's something, okay, so give me a second. Is it a famous restaurant of some sort? Or is there something dealing with food or a restaurant? He's, okay. okay, show me, hold on. Kids, I don't know how to pronounce that, hold on. Well, let me break it down. Whatever you're seeing, just tell me, and then we'll see if we can understand. Uh, a dot on a map. You put a, a dot, dot on a map. 
put okay. a dot on a map and then he made me look at something from the outside that looked like a restaurant or a cafe or something. Okay. Well, yeah, all right, let's just stop there. Did you go to this restaurant before with the person that I'm referencing? Yes. Okay, very good. And did you go to this restaurant with this person in Europe together? No, but he went with somebody else in Europe. Okay. Um, okay, so is the, re the name of the restaurant related to my question or is going to the restaurant related to the question? Going to the restaurant is- Going to the restaurant. So who did you go to the restaurant with? And put that in Jennifer's mind. Well, he showed me who I believe is Jenny Buss, but I know that's not who you said, or that's Well, not. whatever, don't judge it, dude. Come on, we know better. This is an unusual way to get to an answer. So Jenny Buss and Kobe went to a restaurant. Okay, that's what you're seeing. The whole family, though, too. The whole family was there. Okay, so two of the people were there, Jenny Voss, Kobe. Yes. So the person that I asked, what? Was, okay, so then I got shown, I felt Jack Nicholson. Okay. Um, so a lot of people in this restaurant. That would be a lot of Lakers, right? Because Jack, and that would be, and Jenny. Who's the tallest person at this table? Let's ask you that. There was one other person it felt like that was taller. Tall? White hair? Okay. We know who that is. Right. Okay. What is what is this gathering got to do with the question I asked you about a specific person? Were you guys talking about this person? How to do how to do with some uh, an agreement with this person? So either okay, very good. So an agreement. So, are do you want us to remind this person who's still on the planet of this was conversation? That, was, that was about him getting married. Um, I don't know why. What is that? What is the memory of this? It feels like the same group of people that have to make decisions. Okay. Well, Jenny Buss. Right. You know who she is. Yes, I do. You know who she's married to. Yes. I mean, I don't know if they're married, but yeah. Yeah, they're, they're married. And what's his name? Do you Phil remember? Jackson. Phil Jackson. Okay. And Phil Jackson is, was coach of? The Lakers. And? The Bulls. Okay, very good. So the person I was referring to is friends with Phil Jackson. Michael Jordan. Thank you. So now let's just break this down. I asked, it's okay. I was on TV with Michael Jordan. <laughs> My mother shook his hand. So there you go. We got six degrees of Michael Jordan. The question I asked is, what do you want to say to your friend, Michael? Oh. That's and his, but let's break it down. His response was to show you an evening when he was at dinner with Jenny Buss, Phil Jackson, and somebody else talking about Michael Jordan or making an agreement that had to do with Michael Jordan. What was the agreement or what was the conversation? Is that correct, Kobe? Is that the answer? Yes. Okay. So what, what, what happened at this dinner that you want to remind Michael of, or remind Phil of, or Jenny of. That he could still mentor him from the other side, and there's a joke in there. <laughs> so that Kobe can still mentor Michael from the other side, and there's a joke in there. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, very good. So the joke is that, that you can mentor Michael because he is who he is. I feel like he's still going to be involved in helping with his girls. Okay. 
I think that, I think, yeah, I think that's true. Um, I mean, Jennifer would know that, but I have heard Michael, you know, very emotional about his friendship with Kobe. Okay, that's lovely. That's lovely. I mean, instead of just giving us a simple, you know, tell Michael to watch his P's and Q's, you gave us a visual and that dinner will mean something to Phil yeah. Jackson. Interesting. Is it always felt like he was, there was something about advice that was being given. So all the people that give advice, you have Phil Jackson, you have Jeannie Buzz, you have, um, you know, Kobe. It just felt, it was a very cool feeling he was giving me, not knowing it was Michael. Like Michael, I'm happy he didn't give me Michael Jordan because I wouldn't have, like, so to give me the whole experience of how they mentor each other, yeah. And how amazing that is, and how he could still do it from the other side. And just that he's, um, he's always going to be there for him, no matter what. Kobe will always be there for Michael, no matter what. That's not a what. thing to say. Because they were... I gotta go. No, you gotta go. But I just want to say, they were email buddies. They were texting each other. He texted Michael the day he passed away. They were that close. So this is a way of telling Michael and telling everybody, your loved ones are not gone. They can still reach out to you. You, It would be helpful to have someone like Jennifer to help you, but you don't necessarily have to. You just gotta open yourself up to the possibility that they still love you. Yes, and that was such a cool scene. Yeah, I, well, I, well I, he put it in your mind, not mine, and I asked the question in Italian. Yeah. Mikey, <laughs> bye. Very good. All right, we love bye. you, Jennifer. Thank you, and thanks to everybody who showed up today. We appreciate it. Um, bye, everyone. One, bye, everyone. I'll ask you that one question that I did have for somebody who obviously didn't want to come through today. And I'll ask you that later. They just got bumped. They just got bumped. They got bumped. Yeah, it wasn't that important. At the beginning, there's a line. So <laughs> I, I there's a line, and Luana's I, in charge. I just know I wasn't thinking of Kobe, so that's so. No. More, and I, I hadn't thought about him, and I didn't ask for him to come forward. But the fact that he did, and we, he is a chapter in this book where yep. he talks to us. Wow. It's information, and it's not here to try to, uh, what's the word? Not exploit his journey in any way but to show people that our loved ones are still accessible. Yes. yes. Thank you, Jennifer. We love you. Ciao, Bella. Ciao. <laughs> ciao, Bella, ciao. Bye. Bye.